From VT Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, hospitals across Vermont are transforming their facilities to get ready for a potential surge of COVID-19 patients. But they're preparing without knowing exactly when that surge might hit or how severe it could be. On Tuesday, our healthcare reporter Katie Jickling and I visited the Patrick Gymnasium in Burlington, which until recently was the basketball arena for the University of Vermont. So everybody who enters and exits the Patrick Gym has to be screened, meaning a a nurse measures your temperature. Any cough today? 96.6. And everybody who comes in and comes out needs to be wearing a mask. Do you have a mask? I do not. Inside, they've basically transported a whole hospital into what was very recently a basketball court for college athletes. Our unit here is really focused on being in another wing of the hospital. So patients will go through the emergency department for the urgent care, uh, and then they will be transferred here if we feel it's appropriate for them to be here, if their care needs match what we can do, and if the uh, medical treatment plan seems appropriate. There are 50 very simple beds, cots really, set up across the room, each with a single pillow and a blanket that really, to me, evoked a a World War II hospital from the movies. And then we've been working hard. You'll notice that there are green tanks supplied throughout the building. One of the needs of patients that we expect to see is needing oxygen, and we wanted to make sure we could deliver that. There's a set of computers where nurses and doctors are typing away on a variety of types of plans for staffing. They're thinking about how to transport patients to and from the facility. They're thinking about what to do when a patient there needs to go to the bathroom, every kind of eventuality. So we've been working hard for a couple weeks now, getting all this set up, trying to think of everything we can plan for and developing as many contingency plans as we can. They really had everything they could possibly imagine needing. They had wheelchairs and stretchers. They had fridges for staff to keep their food. They had shelves of linens and towels and scrubs for the nurses and places for staff to change. And they had their own little pharmacy for medications and all the power and oxygen and and even food as well that they might need in the coming weeks. And and that's all juxtaposed with these soccer nets that are pushed to the side and lacrosse goals and championship banners. When the UVM Medical Center overflows, this is the place where patients will go. How likely do the people who are in charge of this facility think that scenario might be? We really don't know. Hospital officials and state officials have put out models in which there's a worst case scenario, a best case scenario, and a most likely. If we do hit the worst case scenario, if more people do get sick due to coronavirus, then we'll definitely need that type of facility. So far, Vermont has fewer coronavirus patients than even the most likely scenario. Mm -hmm. So at this point, it's not looking imminent, but we don't know yet. And the number of patients with coronavirus hasn't peaked and likely won't peak until mid to late April. 
we call it the tyranny of the now. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic situation here. So the, that means that everybody drops what they're doing, focuses on the one priority and the one mission, and that is to respond to this event. This is Don LeBaron, Vice President of Hospital Services for the University of Vermont Medical Center. If you look around the country and around the rest of the world, you can see the impact of what this um, pandemic is having on people. And we think that Vermonters can do the best of anybody in responding. And I think I have a good feeling about how we'll land at the end, but there's impact and we certainly know it's here. So we have to respond. Um, we probably don't take the amount of time in planning that we would like. There's no question about that, but you can see what our team put up here in a matter of 10 days or so. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. It was very much reminiscent of the whole this whole moment that we're in in coronavirus where we're fearful of and preparing for something that might come and it may not come and we're in this moment of of hurry up and wait of prepare as much as possible but we really don't know what the next steps are going to look like and i really saw that at play at patrick jim Last month, you wrote a story that kind of posed this question of, are Vermont hospitals ready? And I do want to talk about what you found in the course of that. But I also am kind of just curious, in a situation like this where there's so many unknowns, what does ready even mean? Hospitals in Vermont and around the country are looking at these disaster scenarios like we've been seeing in New York City and in Wuhan, China, where hospitals were just completely overwhelmed. And so that's the worst case scenario that we have in mind, where doctors are choosing who lives and who dies and who gets a ventilator. In New York, we saw these pictures of people just piling up bodies in refrigerator trucks. The state has put out models of how much personal protective gear we might need, how many ventilators we might need, and how many workers and rooms and beds might be required for this virus. But that's not really something that hospitals can prepare for in, in some ways. It's just a number that's so big in the worst case scenario. So hospitals CEOs are really just saying, here's the space I have, here's the resources I have, and I'm going to do everything I can to be ready for that. What I heard from hospital workers and from administrators is they're just going to prepare the best that they possibly can. And they're not really basing those preparations on the modeling as much as just their own capacity. Just doing as much as they possibly can with their resources. Right. And w given that they have limited staff and limited money and the supplies for the coronavirus that are coming in from across the country are limited. So what might that entail, you know, for a hospital that maybe is not building the type of surge facility that we were talking about at UVM Medical Center, but that maybe is kind of working within the confines of their existing campus, what kinds of changes would people expect to see? At some of Vermont's smaller hospitals, they're rearranging some of their staff as they cancel some of their primary care or physical therapy appointments. They're moving the people they can over to the emergency room, over to the intensive care unit if they have them. 
In some cases, like at Gifford Medical Center in Randolph, they don't have an intensive care unit. And so they're preparing a few beds to adapt them to essentially be an intensive care unit if they need them. They say they're buying as much equipment as possible. They're putting in orders for ventilators and gloves and masks. And it's really just give us as much as you can possibly get and we're just going to sock it away in case we need it. They're also doing trainings with staff to prepare for coronavirus patients to teach them how to protect themselves and adapting new policies to make sure that staff know how to care for patients and know how to take care of themselves and keep themselves safe. When we come back, what those internal changes look like at one Vermont hospital. Just a quick message from our fundraising team. VT Digger is able to provide comprehensive coverage of the coronavirus outbreak because readers and podcast listeners support us. This year, our spring fund drive looks a little different. VT Digger and Vermont Glove are donating fabric masks to local hospitals for every reader who becomes a VT Digger member at any level. Vermont Glove is making these masks in their factory in Randolph. It's an awesome project that you can become a part of. Just donate as much or as little as you're able to, and we'll make sure a mask gets delivered to a healthcare worker who needs it. Head to vtdigger.org donate to give today. Welcome to Command Central. <laughs> this is Barbara Quayle. Hi there. Um, this is Mike. Uh, he's from VT Digger. Later this week, I visited Central Vermont Medical Center to see how they're preparing for a potential surge. CBMC is part of the UVM Health Network, but it's a much smaller hospital than the Burlington campus. And the first thing they've been doing is managing how patients who think they're sick are getting into the system in the first place. Okay, so we're going to get you in at 1.30 this afternoon at a mobile testing site. A few weeks ago, the hospital turned this administrative building into a call center for their coronavirus hotline. At any given point, we have four or five nurses. We hear seven days a week, and they're taking calls from the public, from providers, from staff at the hospital. These nurses all sit six feet apart, talking on headsets under oversized post-it notes with answers to some of the most frequently asked questions. Barbara Quayley runs the show. I'm curious, what's the most common thing that you hear when someone picks up the phone here? Right now, because, you know, the state has announced expanded guidelines for testing, right now there, there are a lot of clinical symptoms that patients present. Is it allergies? Is it a new cough? I heard my neighbor said that maybe someone had. So there is rumor, there's a lot of anxiety. Um, So I'd say about half the time our nurses are helping with that education and emotional support. Um, But right now we're probably testing 50% of those that call in. I asked Barbara what she was expecting for the next few weeks. Um, A lot of prayers, a lot of teamwork. Um, We are expecting the volume of calls to increase. We're expecting the volume of tests to increase. Uh, We're expecting a lot of anxiety in the community. So just being able to talk to patients, to offer them that emotional support. We have also partnered with some of the community agencies. So we've met some fabulous people. Uh, So if we have patients who call to say, I have no food in my house, what should I do? I can't get my medicines, what should I do? So there are the the local food, you know, supports, pharmacies that deliver. Um, So that is, you know, one of the other connections that we've had to build on the fly. Um, And it's just been, I think, a wonderful experience for all of the nurses to recognize what we have in our own community. If someone calls the hotline and gets referred to a testing site, 
they may eventually get referred to the hospital. And things look a little different there, too. So this is one of the rooms that you can see it's a negative pressure room that's been modified. In the emergency department and in a few other locations, the hospital built negative pressure rooms with specialized air handling systems. These rooms are modified to keep any airborne particles from leaking into the hall. Over the existing door, there's a synthetic curtain with a zippered opening, kind of like a camping tent. There's actually two for each doorway to create sort of a buffer zone between the hallway and the room itself. This is what's what we call an anteroom. So folks, as they enter, are donning and doffing and doing their sanitization process here. And then they unzip and enter. You know, they, it's a, basically an airlock, right? This is Elliot Bent. He's the hospital's communication director. He also pointed out a couple stands of personal respirators called PAPRs, these army green bodysuits with hoses and motorized fans attached. The hospital is using them more because they have a limited supply of N95 face masks. Um, this is just a reusable system so that we don't, we're not burning through disposable supplies. Yeah. yeah this is yeah. the reusable N95. Down the hall, Sarah Mazur, who normally works as a physical therapist, was training the hospital's rehab director on how to use the respirator. All right, you, had so a, you had a squinchy face. No, I'm like, so what do I do first? <laughs> you're going to get that, you're get that gray strap on your forehead. The gray strap. So I'm just going in. You're going in. Everything's clean. Yep. Okay. And I'm going to come to the back. I'm going to hook you in. So get it so it feels like it's kind of nicely situated. And there's the air. Elliot said the hospital's already seen an uptick in what they call rule-outs, patients who get hospitalized while they're waiting on their test results. But between those cases and the positives, there's now an entire section of one floor dedicated to COVID-19 isolation rooms. Um, this is to north, and it's where we're, we've tried to cohort those COVID rule-outs and COVID-positive patients. The strange thing about all this is that right now at CVMC, it's pretty quiet. There's no one there for routine care. Elective procedures have been canceled for weeks, and these isolation rooms aren't all being used. You know, it's a sort of waiting game, right? And so there's a certain level of anxiety that comes with waiting. But it's, it's an anxiety around sort of when this is going to hit, you know, what the severity is going to be like, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, that's how I describe it. It's, it's, I would describe it as the quiet before a storm, right? It's a sort of contradiction and a juxtaposition as hospitals across the state are losing money. In fact, they're losing a lot of money because they don't have enough patients to fill their rooms because they're canceling routine procedures, they're postponing primary care visits and non-urgent surgeries. And at the same time, they're investing a ton of money to prepare for this potential flood of patients that may come through their doors at any moment. But that also may not. That also may never enter, in fact, and in which case all this preparation would be for naught. And honestly, that's really what everybody's hoping for. But we still need to put in this massive amount of work to create the infrastructure just in case. What's the sense among the hospital officials that you've talked to? Are they optimistic that those things will be enough that'll get them through without ending up in these sort of disaster scenes like you were talking about in other locations? Across the board, hospital leaders say the best way to prepare 
is to not get sick in the first place. Hmm. So they're really advising Vermonters to stay home and to continue to self-isolate and social distance and don't go to work and wear a mask when you go to the grocery store. By keeping the number of patients low, that's the best way to prepare and to be ready for this. Because if the numbers do grow, it's just going to be impossible to prepare. Jeff Tiemann, the president and CEO of the Vermont Association of Hospitals and Health Systems, said it's literally not possible to be ready for something at the level we're facing right now. So in a worst case scenario, that's really the attitude that that people have. But in the meantime, they're just kind of doing everything in their power to try to build capacity, then wait to see what happens next. Yes. And at the same time, the state is also trying to invest in basically building hospitals as well. So they've set up uh, the Barry Civic Center and the Champlain Valley Expo as surge sites, they call them, with beds and with just the gear that they might need in case that hospitals are overflowing and they need to move patients to those sites. Do we have a sense of the overall number or percentage of how much Vermont's patient capacity has expanded? Like, do we have a sense of the scale of how big this change is? Before this crisis, we had just over 900 staffed beds across the state. Now the state has added roughly 600 additional surge site beds. Wow. So that's a more than 50% addition. Keep in mind, though, that this is not a typical hospital. While it has a lot of the equipment that hospitals have, these are very basic cots. Hospitals, UVM Medical Center is saying, for instance, that they only want patients staying here for 24 to 48 hours. Hmm. So while the capacity has expanded significantly, it's not the kind of place that you want to just rest comfortably for a few days. As someone who watches this sector really closely, I have to ask, have you come across criticism about how the state and the hospitals are going about all this? Well, I guess there there are two points that I think are questions worth raising. First is that we see a lot of additional beds in Chittenden County. The University of Vermont Medical Center is the largest hospital in the state. They also have this new 100-bed surge site at Patrick Gym that we've been discussing. And the Champlain Valley Expo has 400 additional beds. But elsewhere around the state, if there are a lot of sick patients, they may have to travel a long way for additional beds. There are other surge sites, but they're much fewer and farther between The other thing is that some people are raising the question, is Vermont creating too many beds? Officials say they want to be prepared for the worst and to be ready for every possible bad thing that can happen. But this is costing a lot of money. And right now, we don't have that many sick patients. So some people are saying the cost to the state and to hospitals and businesses around Vermont is really high. And maybe we should... Just make sure we're not being paranoid before we build hundreds of new beds and new medical facilities that might not be needed at all. How do you go about tackling that question? I mean, it seems like there's uh, both the sort of economic considerations, but also the ethical ones, you know, that if we 
didn't do that, wouldn't people be questioning things on a whole, you know, more grave kind of level? Most public health officials would say prepare for the worst case scenario, the highest number of patients and a lot of really sick ones. And then if we don't reach that number, then all the better for us. But speaking with epidemiologists, they say that the best way to do this would have been to test more on the front end, that really we could have mitigated a lot of this if we had tested a large number of people very early. And if we had done contact tracing for all those people and then tested all the people they came in contact with. And that just wasn't possible because we didn't have enough tests. We still don't have enough tests to test everybody we might want to. Sure. But at this point, the virus has spread enough that we can't quarantine a small number of people very aggressively the way that we could have if we knew exactly who was sick and when they got sick early on. And so our only option now really is to make these preparations and then wait and see. Yes. The only option right now is to know what the worst case scenario is and prepare for it. And at the same time, tell everybody to stay home, to not go out if at all possible. And don't go hang out with your friends and go to the grocery store if you don't need to. Record your podcast remotely. And record your podcast remotely. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Thanks, Katie, for the rundown. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. You can find more of Katie's reporting about hospital preparedness and COVID-19 at vtdigger.org and find all of our coronavirus coverage in one place at vtdigger.org slash coronavirus. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger Newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We used music this week by Blue Dot Sessions and Poddington Bear. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend. <laughs>